I'm starting a, a new message series tonight that I'm really excited about, and uh, it's called The Blessed Life, and we'll be talking about this for the next four weeks, and so I'm glad you're here for the beginning of this message series. I've been planning to teach on generosity and the heart of generosity for a while, and uh, I just have to make a little bit of a disclaimer. If you're on our email list, you got an email from me this week, uh, and I was just uh, sending out information to the people that call Connect Church their home. Uh, we've had a, a tough month economically in May, and so I sent out an email this week. Many of you probably got it and read it. I hope you did. And I'm asking for you to give very generously in the next couple of weeks because we really need to make up uh, some lost ground from the month of May. And also my big concern is the 4th of July is right around the corner, our big free love event. And uh, we need uh, the money uh, to be able to give to our community. And so I'm asking you to give very generously today and, and in the next couple of weeks as you are able to do so. And the disclaimer that I want to make tonight is I'm not preaching about generosity to try to twist your arm and to try to make you give. Uh, that's not my motive. I've actually been planning this series for quite some time. And you don't believe me, Dwight, but... Uh, that's okay. Uh, that, that I'm going to stand by my story. <laughs> but I do want to talk about generosity, and, uh, and tonight I'm going to talk about the heart of generosity, where this needs to come from, uh, the motives that drive us to live what I'm calling the blessed life. And let me just ask you tonight, how many of you would say real honestly tonight that you have been blessed in your life? You really feel like you've been blessed. And, and then second question, how many of you would like to be more blessed? Okay, uh, <laughs> I didn't count. I don't know if that was all the same hands or not, but I know I would like to be more blessed. But I would say I have been remarkably blessed in my life. But here's the key to the whole blessed life concept. Uh, the, the book of Acts chapter 20 says this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Would you read that out loud with me off of the screen? It is more blessed to give than to receive. I'll move this for you guys so you can read out loud, okay? D did you guys miss that because the microphone was in the way? We better read it one more time for all these guys over here. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I really believe that this is true. Uh, it, it seems to defy logic. In fact, I think most of us believe that if we give something away, we have less, right? But the way the Bible does math is a little bit different. The Bible says very clearly, and those of you who have lived this way in your lives, you know that it's true, that when we give, we receive blessings innumerably more than what we have given away. It's consistent. I remember uh, a number of years ago, before Chris and I were married, I had some good friends in Great Falls. I spent a lot of time with them. Uh, they were in our young adults group. We played Pinochle together. They were leaders in our church, great people. And they became really our very best friends when we lived in Great Falls. And, and before Chris and I were married, uh, for some reason, and I don't remember why, but I had given Jean for her birthday or some occasion, I had given her a crystal platter. It was, it was the kind of platter that you see at Christmas time a lot. You get them at Macy's in the gift department or whatever, and, and kind of a big platter with little dividers on it, you know, and she would use it to serve fruit or chips and salsa or whatever. And, and she loved that thing because it was a gift that I had given her. And uh, she would use it all the time. 
But one day she called me up and she was crying on the phone and she said, Russ, that platter that you gave me, I was washing it today and I broke it. And she was so heartbroken that, I, that she had broken that platter that I had given her. And so I thought, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And I talked with Chris. We were married by this time. And, and I said, Chris, I think we need to go buy her a new platter and we'll write a little note. So I went to Macy's. I bought a new one. I couldn't really remember what it looked like, but it was approximate, you know. And I wrapped it up and I put a little card in it. And the card said this, Bob and Jean, your friendship uh, to us comes with a lifetime guarantee just like this crystal platter. And Jean opened that up and she's just, you know, crying. Oh, we love you guys. And I'll tell you, she was so happy to get that platter. But I can't even tell you how good it made us feel to give something. It wasn't expensive. It wasn't a lot of money. But it was something that was meaningful. We just loved giving. Uh, I come from a family who has been very generous generations back. My grandmother was one of the most generous people I have ever known, and she lived the blessed life. My parents were incredibly generous. From the time Chris and I got married, we made up our minds that we wanted to live lives of generosity, and we really have been the recipients of unbelievable blessings because of our generosity. Uh, A couple of years ago, I think it's just about two years ago now, this time of year, my in-laws came up to, to Bozeman to visit us, and, and uh, whenever they come up from Mexico, they're missionaries in Mexico, uh, whenever they come to visit us, they all always come with gifts, and a lot of times it's Mexican pottery or, you know, little decorative items or something, but they always have gifts. And uh, just about two years ago, they came up, and I can remember sitting down in our living room. They had just come into town, and Chris's mom pulls out this little box, this little long box. And she was kind of emotional. She said, Russ, I have a gift for you. And I figured it was some little Mexican trinket again, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and, and she gave me this little box, and I opened it up. I couldn't believe it. It was a gold bracelet. And she and Tito said to me, uh, Russ, we're giving our sons gold bracelets as a family heirloom. And she said, uh, you're not a blood son, but you are just as much a son to us as our, as our own sons, and we want to give you this gold bracelet. I can't tell you how that blessed me. It was so emotional to receive that gold bracelet as a son-in-law from, from Chris's parents. And then this last Christmas, Chris and I went out on a Saturday, and we were cutting down Christmas trees, and, and I'm assuming this is what happened, uh, but when I came home from cutting down Christmas trees... Uh, my gold bracelet was gone. I had never taken it off from the time my mother-in-law put it on my wrist. It was gone, vanished. And I'm thinking I probably snagged it on a tree or something and it fell off in the snow. We tore the car apart. We tore the house apart looking for that gold bracelet. Never found that bracelet. It was just gone. And then I'm feeling guilty, you know. I don't want to tell my mother-in-law I I lost the gold bracelet heirloom, right? I'm feeling terrible. And I think finally Chris told her mom, Russ Russ lost the bracelet, you know. And I I just feel terrible. And we went down to Boise a couple of weeks ago. And we're sitting around with the whole family. And my bracelet is missing. And I feel terrible, you know. And what does my mother-in-law do? She goes to the counter and she says, Russ, I have something for you. And she pulls out this little plastic bag out of her purse, and she had gotten me another gold bracelet. Because their love to me 
comes with a lifetime guarantee. And that gold bracelet represents the love that they have for me. And let me tell you, I was, I was blessed by their generosity. I was so blessed. But I know they were blessed by giving. They don't have a lot of money. They don't have the kind of money to keep buying gold bracelets that their irresponsible son-in-law keeps losing, you know. I mean, that, that's not the way they are. And yet they love to give. And they found the blessing that generosity brings with it. In fact, um, one of the things that happens frequently when we go out to dinner with my in-laws, I like to buy. I like to take them out to dinner. I like to go to nice places to eat. And I know they don't have a lot of money, so I always try to buy. And, and quite often, my father-in-law will say, give me the bill I'm buying tonight. And I'll say, Tito, no. And he'll look at me and he'll scowl with his whole face just kind of crinkles in. And he'll say, don't rob me of my blessing. Because he understands. He understands what? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And it really is true. It's more blessed to give than to receive. The blessed life has a key. If you're taking notes tonight, you can write this down. This is really probably the most important thing you can remember tonight. And as we move into the next three weeks of teaching, you need to understand this, that the key to the blessed life is a heart of generosity. The key to the blessed life is a heart of generosity. I've told uh, those of you that have attended Connect Church for some time, I've said this many times, that I hate teaching on giving. I hate teaching on generosity. And, uh, and this week I kind of stumbled upon something that resonated with me that I think uh, would explain why. Several people have asked me, why do you hate teaching on generosity? If it's the key to the blessed life, why, Pastor Russ, don't you like to teach on giving? And I think this is probably why. Uh, I came of age in the 80s, and those of you that are old enough to remember the 80s, remember there was a lot of teaching in the 80s on giving, and a lot of it had the wrong heart. There were a lot of evangelists on TV telling people that if you sow $10, you're going to get $100 back. If you sow $100 into this ministry, you're going to get $1,000 back. And all of this kind of name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, give it and receive it kind of teaching. And it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Why? Because the heart was wrong. They were, people were being taught to give in order to get back. It's the wrong heart. The heart of giving is not an investment program. It's not like the stock market where you give and your money multiplies and you get it back. Or you give and the stock market crashes and you kill yourself because you lost all your money. That's, that's not the way. That's not the heart of generosity. The heart of generosity is that we live a blessed life when we give, but it's a heart issue. God, I want to be a giver not a taker. I want to be someone that expends my life blessing everybody around me, not spending all of my resources on making myself happy. It's a heart thing. And, and once I kind of clued into the fact that there's been some, some teaching on giving that has left me feeling stale, I felt really good about teaching this to you these next four weeks because I think the heart is different. I've been blessed in my life because I've lived by these principles. And I'm teaching this because I want you to be blessed as well. And so if this is new to you, I hope you'll listen. And I hope that the Holy Spirit will give you some tools for living a blessed life as well. 
I want to start off tonight in Proverbs chapter 11. I'm going to go through quite a lot of scripture tonight, uh, but I'm not going to keep you here all night, so don't get worried. Uh, but, but I want to start in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. Very interesting two verses here. It says this. One man gives freely, and if you stop there, you might do the math and say, okay, this guy gives something away, and so he has less, right? Uh, five minus four equals one. That's not what this says. One man gives freely, yet he gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but he comes to poverty. And then there's this promise that I think is so significant. A generous man will prosper, but he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Powerful scriptural principle here that when we give, we are taken care of by God. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9, we read this, the words of the Apostle Paul. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is farmer talk, right? Have you ever, have you ever planted something? Have you ever planted something that grows and yields a harvest? Some of you are shaking your heads. Uh, a wheat farmer doesn't gather all of his wheat into his barns and make bread and, and eats it all. He always sows some of it back into the land so that there can be increased productivity. A corn farmer understands that if he plants one kernel of corn, that kernel will produce a stalk that will produce several ears, which each ear has 300 or more kernels of corn on it. When you sow it, you reap more. It's a farmer principle. And Paul uses that as an illustration and then goes on to say, each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I think this is kind of interesting. That word cheerful in the original Bible language actually could be translated hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. He's not looking for people to give out of guilt or manipulation because the preacher is hammering on them about, about money. God's looking for someone who just loves to give, that has a, a heart of hilarity. I, I laugh, I rejoice when I give away. That's the kind of giving, the kind of heart that God is looking for. And here's the blessed life, verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You see, when we give, when we give hilariously, when we give generously, God makes sure that everything that we need is taken care of. It's the way it works. It's the way God works. Paul wraps it up in verse 11 by saying this, You will be made rich in every way so that you can spend more money on boats and cabins and spend the weekend relaxing instead of going to church. Doesn't say that, does it? I'm not poking fun at anybody who's here tonight. Seriously, I'm not, Dwight. Um, <laughs> I didn't have you in mind when I said that, seriously. As soon as I said it, I felt guilty because I know you have a boat in a cabin. A boat not for fishing, by the way. You don't fish in their boat. You, what do you do in your boat? Relax. And it's awesome. And someday I'm going to come and sit in your boat and relax. Um, no, verse 11 says this. You will be made rich in every way. Why? 
so that you can be generous on every occasion. This is why God blesses us, so that when we practice generosity, he will make us rich in every way so we can give more away. That's the whole purpose. Give more away. And through your generosity, it will result in thanksgiving to God. It's an awesome principle. And I want to tell you tonight, uh, some of you are visiting with us tonight, but many of you have been with us for a long time. I just want to tell you, I am so proud of the generosity of people here at Connect Church. I'm so proud of you guys. I just feel like every time I ask you to give, you, you just blow my mind with, with your generosity. Uh, in fact, I got a letter this week. We belong to the Assemblies of God denomination, and uh, I got a, a letter this week from our denominational headquarters, and they were informing us that uh, our, our giving to missions had increased in 2010, so much so that we were... Uh, we were being given an award for our increase in giving. And and this is how it works out. Uh, Our giving from 2009 to 2010 increased 431% over a year's time. Okay, How awesome is that? 431%. There are more than 12,000 churches that belong to the Assemblies of God in the United States, more than 12,000. We were number 197 in increased giving. Isn't that awesome? And, and you guys are generous. In fact, when I, when I pulled this letter out, I kind of thought, I don't even need to teach this, you know, because you guys are already doing it. Uh, and you really are. Uh, a couple of months ago, I asked you to give uh, to a project that we were helping with, Love in the Name of Christ, Love, Inc. It's an organization here in Bozeman that brings churches together to bless needy people in our community. And they were having a big auction, and they were looking for donations to this auction. And so we thought we would put together, we were calling it the Connect Wagon. We were using the Connect Church theme, and so we came up with all kinds of things that denoted connecting. And here's a picture of, of our completed project we had a wagon, and there's big boxes of Legos and uh, a quilt that was all connected with sewing. I mean, it was just full of all kinds of stuff. In the back, there was an Xbox Connect. Many of you had given money so that we could buy that Xbox Connect. And uh, when we got to the Love, Inc. dinner, uh, there, was, there were hundreds of donations, and most of them were on a silent auction all around the room. But they had chosen, I think, eight that were really extraordinary groups uh, for a live auction, and they had chosen ours as one of the live auction items. And uh, this Connect Church wagon brought in $650 to benefit Loving. And, and that's just your generosity. And, and I just want to say congratulations to Connect Church. You guys are awesome. And, and I believe that we have been blessed as a church because from the very beginning of Planting Connect, we have had a, a priority to give. It's more blessed to give than it is receive, and we live a blessed life when we have a heart of generosity. But here's a question for you. If this is really true, and if we know that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, why aren't more people more generous? If God blesses us with more when we give, why don't we just give more and more and more? Why aren't we giving more all the time? Well, I think it's because many of us struggle with what I'm going to call tonight the bag mindset. 
the bag mindset. You might ask what that is. Uh, I'm going to talk to you tonight about three mindsets, and then we'll wrap this up tonight. Three mindsets that we can have when it comes to thinking about money. And the first one I want to talk to you about is the bag mindset. It's the idea that there's not enough. Okay? It's the idea that there's not enough in the money bag. I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with somebody and they say, you know, I really want to be generous, but I just don't have enough money. Or I really would like to tithe, Pastor Russ, but I don't have enough income to pay my bills. The bag just isn't enough. It reminds me of this scripture from the book of Haggai in the, in the Old Testament. It says this, you have sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns the wages to put it into a bag with holes. It's the bag mentality. And I don't know about you, but from time to time in my life, I have felt like there's holes in my wallet. I put money in the wallet, and it just goes away, you know? And, and, and it's frustrating sometimes. I understand. You know, you just feel like you're getting ahead and the transmission goes out on your car. Or you just put a little bit of money into savings and the heater breaks. You know, there's, there's always something that's draining money out of the bag, right? And it's easy for us to get preoccupied with all the money that's going out and feeling fearful and believing that we don't have as much as we need. It's the bag mindset. Like I told you, Chris and I have made it our goal to be as generous as we possibly can ever since we were first married. But there are times when I struggle with the bag mindset. And I'll tell you when it happens. I'm a little ashamed to share this with you, but I just want to be honest. Sometimes the bag mindset takes over me and it usually happens when I'm in a restaurant and it's time to tip the waitress. I don't know why. But all of a sudden, there's not enough money in my wallet to tip the waitress. It happened last night. We went out to dinner with some good friends. And, uh, and I've been thinking about this all week long. And I've been studying for this message. And I've, I, I've told the Lord, I'm not going to live in the, mind, the, the bag mindset. I'm going to be generous with waitresses. Because this is a weak spot for me. So we go out to dinner last night. My bill came. And, and I'm looking at it. And I'm doing the math. And I said... In fact, I said to, to everybody at the table, I said, man, our waitress did a great job tonight. She was really sharp. And so I thought, I'm going to tithe, uh, tithe. I'm not going to tithe to the waitress. I'm going to tip. That would be very generous. Uh, I'm going to tip the waitress 20% because I know that that's the right thing to do. So I, I did the math. And I don't like to add stuff up on the credit card bill, you know, so I just like to use whole dollars. And 20%... Uh, I, I did the math, and then I thought, well, I'll round it up. And, and then I looked at that rounded up number, and it was more than 20% if I rounded it up. And so instead of rounding it up, I rounded it down. I gave her less than 20%, you know. And, and I drove away thinking, now, I just had had this conversation with God, saying to God, I'm going to be generous with waitresses. And when push came to shove, I gave her a dollar less. A dollar, Okay. My drink last night, my iced tea cost $2, and I couldn't give her another dollar, right? It's the bag mentality. It's the bag mindset that we don't have enough. We don't have enough. Why couldn't I be more generous with that waitress? I get caught sometimes in this bag mindset, and you probably do too. If you think about it, 
There was a man in the New Testament, a man who walked with Jesus. His name was Judas, and he was the keeper of the money bag. And what we know about Judas is he liked to dip into the money bag and spend some money on himself. Uh, Evidently, the other disciples were aware of it because they wrote it in the Bible. Uh, He was the keeper of the bag. And, And do you remember the story of when Mary broke open that expensive jar of perfume and poured it out on Jesus' feet. Who was the disciple that jumped all over her for wasting money? It was Judas. Why? Because he believed that whatever was in the bag was for himself. And in fact, he sold Jesus out for a little leather pouch full of silver coins. It's the bag mindset. It's the idea that I would love to give, but I don't have enough. Let me share with you a second mindset that I think is so much better. It's the basket mindset. The basket mindset. This is the idea that I have more than enough. I have more than I I, I, I even need. There's just more. There's enough to give away. Deuteronomy 28 says this, The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. It's the idea that we have a basket that God is filling and it's overflowing. We have more than we need. In Luke 6, Jesus said, Give and it will be given to you. Now look at this. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. This is the words of Jesus. We quote that scripture quite a lot. Any of us that have been in church for a while, we're familiar with that. But a lot of times we don't think about what that means. Jesus is referring to a specific group of people. In a farming community in in New Testament times, a farmer would send workers out into the field to harvest the crops. And those workers would take out big baskets to harvest whatever it was they were gathering. And, and they weren't really worried about filling the basket because they were working all day. So they would go out and fill enough to carry and they would take it back and unload it, then go back out in the fields with their baskets, take it back. They were just being paid day's wages or hourly wages. They weren't really concerned with really filling that basket full. But at the end of the day, when all of the workers went, went home, the farmer would invite poor people from the community into his, into his crop fields and the poor people were, were allowed to go back in and harvest anything that was left over. And so they would go in and they would shake the baskets to work the air out. They would press it down to get the air bubbles out. They wanted to get as much as possible crammed into that basket so that when they went home, they had more than enough. This is what Jesus is referring to. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You will have more than you need. This is the basket mindset. I think about the story of the boy with the five loaves and two fishes. Do you remember this story? Uh, Jesus was teaching. The Bible says there were 5,000 people listening, or 5,000 men didn't count the women and the children. There might have been as many as 15,000 people there, hungry, needing lunch. And this little boy had five loaves, two fishes, and he very well could have said, boy, I'm going to have a full belly today. But he understood. He had a basket mentality. He took his lunch, gave it to Jesus. Jesus fed all of those people. And then when the disciples 
picked up what was left over. There were 12 baskets full left over. That little boy had a basket mentality. And my prayer for you is that God will stretch you out of the bag mentality and into the basket mentality, away from the idea that I don't have enough to the idea that I have more than enough and I can give freely knowing that God will provide every need that I have. About a year ago, we had a mission Sunday. We had two missionaries with us, Mary Ballinger and Etienne Concobo. I remember that day and we were taking offerings. As a pastor, I wanted to bless our missionaries generously. And, uh, and when the offering came in and I was looking at the offering summary, I was amazed. People were writing checks to those two missionaries in, in the thousands of dollars. Certain individuals in our church wrote checks for multiple thousands of dollars to those missionaries. This is the basket mindset instead of the bag mindset. I love it. There's one more mindset that I want to mention to you tonight. It's the mindset of the barn. And this is the idea that there is infinitely more than enough. Deuteronomy 28 says, The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. He will bless your barns. Joseph was one of these guys that was blessed in his barns. In the Old Testament, the story is told that he was thrown into this pit by his brothers, but he was faithful. God took him out of the pit. He landed in prison. There he was faithful. Eventually, he became the second in command of the nation of Egypt. And his barns all over Egypt were so blessed that he was able to feed the entire nation for seven years of famine. He understood the blessings of the barn. The Bible tells us that we're we're called to be tithers. Tithers are people who give 10% of their income to the kingdom of God. Uh, Some people, you could call them twithers. I I know people who give away 20% of their their income. Twithing. It's okay to laugh. Thank you. Thank you, Aubrey, for laughing at my stupid joke. Uh, One pastor I know of... uh, Rick Warren, some of you have read his, his book, The, the Purpose Driven Life. Uh, he has practiced the principle of giving his entire life, and he is giving now uh, 90% of his income away, and he lives on 10%. Can you imagine? He's got the barn mindset that there is infinitely more than enough, and I believe God has blessed him, not because he's so smart or because he's so brilliant, God has blessed him because he's been faithful and because he's generous. He's generous and understands that God blesses in a barn kind of way. So the question I want to ask tonight is this. How much can God bless you with? How much can God bless you with? Can you imagine? Here's what Jesus said in Luke 16. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. But whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And and then here's another verse from the Old Testament. Proverbs 3 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, 
with the first fruits of all your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God tells us to give first, the first fruits. I was thinking about this this week. Chris and I have always tried to be generous, as I've said, and, and we've always been tithers. But in the early years of our marriage, quite often, uh, we, would, we would pay our other bills before we would pay the tithe. And if there wasn't quite enough, we would just keep track of how much we owed God in our tithes. And, and uh, later on down the road, we'd catch up, and I can just imagine what the bookkeeper at our church must have thought when we had this huge check come in after we hadn't given for like six months, you know, uh, because we weren't tithing first. And we were blessed because we were giving, we were giving generously, we were supporting missionaries. But there came a time when, when we just felt very strongly that God was telling us to begin tithing first. And we made that change and uh, we didn't really think much of it, but this week I was looking back, and since we've been tithing first, there's been a change in how we have been blessed. Uh, our, our financial situation has changed. The amount that we can give has changed. We're able to give so much more generously now than we could before. And I believe that the principle of first fruits is a significant principle. It teaches us here, I don't know if this is in your notes, but you could even write this down. When we give first, it teaches us to trust God. Because if you wait and just give him whatever's left over, you don't really need to trust him very much. It's a step of faith to trust God with the first of your finances. And here's something I do know is in your notes that I think is important. God can do more with 90% that's blessed than with 100% that's cursed. And you need to know that if you're not tithing, the Bible says that your money is under a curse. Your money is blessed when you return the first fruits to God. Uh, somebody gave me this book, The Blessed Life, a couple of months ago. Uh, this is a great book. A lot of the material that I'm sharing with you is coming out of this book. Uh, I personally have been really challenged. I think this is one of the best books I've ever read on generosity. And uh, last week I ordered 10 of them from Amazon. And I just wanted to make them available to you. If you're struggling in the area of tithing or struggling in the area of generosity, you're not really sure you can trust what, what Pastor Russ is talking about you're not really sure this is really a good idea to give generously. Uh, I hope you'll pick up one of these books. They cost $14, and if you want one, you can pick one up. And we're, we're not charging extra. That's just what they cost us. And there's some out there. You can, you can give your money to Shoney or, or one of us. Uh, but if you need to go deeper in any of this stuff, pick the book up. It's fantastic. Uh, let me wrap up with this. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 12. He said, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. You see what he's saying? He's got a lot of stuff. He's got more than he needs, but he's got no place to store it. And so he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Here's something very interesting about this guy. He had barn blessings, but he had a bag mindset. 
He had barn blessings, but he had a bag mindset. Uh, and I think sometimes as Americans, we, we feel that way. If any of you have ever traveled outside of the country, you know that we as Americans, even our poor Americans, are wealthier than 90% of the world. In fact, if you think about it, we have barns for our cars. My in-laws came home from Mexico one time. They're missionaries in Mexico. And they brought home a couple from their church into America. They'd never been in America before. They were staying with an American family. And they looked out and they saw a little garage set back away from the house. And they said, who lives there? And the owners of the house said, well, that's where we park our cars. They couldn't believe it because the garage was way more beautiful than most people in Mexico live in their primary residence. We're so blessed, you guys. We have barn blessings. Even if you feel like you've suffered because of the economic downturn or you've had bad luck or, or you've had too many expenses, whatever, I want you to know, as Americans, we live in a land of blessings. We have more than enough. You can be generous. This is what God said to this man that was building bigger barns. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you and then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. I want to ask you tonight, are you storing up riches in the spiritual realm? Are you blessing others or do you have the bag mindset and you think that it's all for you? I want you to know it's not all for you. God wants you to be generous. God wants you to bless others and you'll find that your life is way more blessed when you give than when you just receive and spend it all on yourself. We're going to wrap up tonight by worshiping the Lord in communion and then we'll receive our offering and I hope that tonight you will give generously but I also hope that you'll spend some time this next week, really thinking about how you're spending the resources that God has blessed you with. But uh, I'll ask you guys to get the communion elements ready, and we're going to pray while Jim and Angela get that stuff ready. Uh, Would you put your things aside? The band is going to come. And would you pray with me tonight? Lord God, You have been so generous with us. In fact, God, the the Bible tells us that you loved the world so much that you gave your only son. You didn't just create a beautiful place for us to live. You didn't just give us this wonderful environment, the mountains and the rivers and the growing things. You loved us so much that you cared enough to pay the penalty for sin with your only son. Jesus, tonight we're going to remember your sacrifice in communion. And as we do, Lord, we want to say thank you for your incredible generosity to us. And as we remember, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will change our hearts to hearts of generosity instead of hearts of selfishness and hearts that just spend everything on ourselves. Jesus, we really do want to live a blessed life. We want to embody the principle that giving is better than receiving. So we ask you to bless this time tonight. In your name, Jesus, amen.